0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome to Textroverts, the podcast exploring the how behind the who of people working in tech. My name is Martina Simon and I am your host. This podcast covers anything but the job. We introduce the guest, move on to the buzz wheel, a letter number randomizer that determines the questions I'll ask, and we close with sage advice about careers in the industry. Plug in. We're recording. (laughs) matt over to you my name is
1: matt genovese i lived in the us for most of my life although the past few years i live here in brazil my background has been in engineering in various flavors throughout my career i started my career as a chip designer i was probably eight years old when i got my commodore vic 20. my dad was an engineer a mechanical engineer and he said no games He said, uh, learn how to program. And so I taught myself basic. And by middle school, I was doing assembly language programming on that. And I thought, you know, one day I'd I'd like to work for Motorola because they were the architects of the clone processor that was in my Commodore. I went to university, came down to Austin, Texas, and uh, worked for Motorola. I ended up, unbeknownst to me, working for the design director of the chip that was in my Commodore back when I was uh, eight years old. So I kind of came full circle.
0: Wow. Did you feel super Mm -hmm. different to your friends, you know, back as a kid?
1: I knew that I was different in that way because my friends weren't really into that. I grew up on a farm. I was surrounded by, you know, dairy cows. And there wasn't that much to do other than to go out hiking, which I did love to do on my own. But outside of that, there was the computer. There weren't even a lot of friends around. Just one guy down the road who happened to be my age and we would hang out sometimes. But
0: Mm. outside of
1: that, I just said, well, I somehow gravitated to the computer.
0: I do feel like creativity comes out of focus and mindfulness. I wonder sometimes about the youth of today and whether something is lost in the fact that they're super engaged in tech the whole time. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of Gen Alpha in the next 10, 20 years.
1: Boredom breeds creativity. You know, if you sit down and you just allow your mind to wander, you come up with new ideas, new things to try. If you're always entertained and even worse, met with applications that make you envy things that don't exist mm, you know mm. uh, then i'm really concerned what that's going to do to their psyche and of course their creativity
0: i mean it's the whole social dilemma movie netflix released back in 2020 with these perennial hedonists right. if you will now where we're constantly in this endorphin bubble if you don't have to work for anything particularly creativity then i don't know that you'll ever yield it but that's a problem for the next generation <laughs> <laughs> Just before we get into the questions, let me remind the audience, we have a letter from A to Z, which determines the question format and topics, which are determined between the numbers one and 20. Matt gives me a letter and a number combination, and we go from there. So Matt, let's kick this off. A letter and a number combo, please.
1: Let's do G15.
0: 15 is the topic of nostalgia. G is the quote section. I'm going to say the quote that relates to nostalgia. And Matt, you tell me the first things that come to your mind if you relate to it at all the quote here is by a man called David Gutterson. There's a certain nostalgia and romance in a place you left. Can you relate?
1: Oh, yeah. I grew up in a small town and I used to go hiking a lot. And Mm -hmm. as a kid, that was my escape. That was, you know, get home from school sometimes, take off the school clothes, put on the boots and go Mm -hmm. out in the woods. And even to this day, I still remember many of those hikes of the places that I went. And in my mind, I'll I'll go back there sometimes, you know, Mm. while I'm going to sleep. There's a comfort in knowing that they still exist. Not only the places I've been, but the people that I knew and I'm friends with back home.
0: Yeah. You've obviously set up roots in Brazil at the moment and everything. Is upstate New York home or is it where you live now? Would you return, I guess is the question, to upstate New York?
1: Well, I might. I mean, honestly, I do feel a drawing to go back. I'd also say that home is where my family is. I have grown up kids that are back in Austin mm-hmm. and I have my wife here and our we have a little daughter and, you know, mm-hmm. I think of it as home is where they are. Yeah, I certainly do want to show them the places that I used to put my feet.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a huge part of how you became the dad, husband, you know, friend, son you are, mm-hmm. I guess, where. You've had that history and you can explain that story to the people that you meet in Brazil, how it was back in New York. From somebody that is a native, you know, former resident, is it still the same New York in your mind and heart?
1: Well, let me tell you this. Mm. I grew up in New York State and had never visited New York City until <gasps> about six years ago. It was a four hour drive I uh-huh, think, to uh-huh. New York. Uh-huh. Like we, we could go into town to buy rakes and hayseed, right? Like, we didn't have to go <laughs>
0: I live in London, born and raised, but mm-hmm. there are people that live in the UK and they live in the place called Birmingham. And that is about three mm-hmm. hours away. So I guess, yeah, some of them may never want to come to London, but it would be weird if yeah. they never had, because it's like where the, you know, the center of <laughs> everything is. So I mean, yeah. when you went, did it blow your mind or was it like, ah, eh, I prefer upstate?
1: I enjoyed it for what it was. It was really uh-huh. pretty. You know, if we were to go and move to New York, or Pennsylvania, for that matter. Yeah, I would love to go back to visit New York City and see all that it has to offer because I was mm. there for just a couple days. I was trying to soak it in as much as I could. New York <laughs> is my home. i would never been to this particular city, which happens yeah. to be you know, the most yeah. popular one, but it was still good to be back home.
0: We get bamboozled by all of the American TV set there, whether it's Friends, Sex and the City, mm. what have you. So oh, for yeah. us, it's all about yeah, the city, but I think people that live there probably have a different view. Let's parry on over to another letter and number combination, please, Matt.
1: How about uh, T12? All
0: right. 12 is the topic of food. Which decadent meal would you easily spend more than $100 on?
1: Oh, boy. Recently my life, did I become more interested in seafood and sushi in particular? I think it's also pretty easy to eat over $100 worth of sushi.
0: Oh, it's so um, expensive, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Especially...
1: <laughs> Well, in the US it is. And let me tell you, I live on an island called Florianopolis, which is in the state of Santa Catarina. Santa Catarina has a lot of people that immigrated from Europe here, Uh as well as Japan. And here in Santa Catarina, you have a lot of sushi and varieties of sushi. Brazilian sushi is something to be envied. They have, now I'm not an expert on it, so I'm just telling you what I, I think I know at this very moment, but A lot of those traditions and and recipes, ways of making it came here, and then they add more to it, different types of toppings, different ingredients in the inside as you do the roll. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't cost a hundred US dollars, and it's really, really good.
0: Now I've got a hankering for sushi. Lunch was a few hours ago, but maybe sushi's dinner. Uh, dinner, um, that's right. Final question on this: How much sushi could I get in Santa Catarina for a hundred dollars? Then, if it's if it's fairly, oh my gosh, friendly? can I get a lot? The one of
1: them that I get that has forty or fifty pieces. Let me just do the math Ooh. really quick. That's Ooh. about. $30.
0: That's a party is what that is. $30 that's for 50 right. pieces. Oh my goodness. And that's delivered to your door. Yeah, I'm moving to Brazil, guys. The cost of living in London is absolutely ridiculous. You could probably get you know, a plate for one, maybe two for $100 in uh, some nice sushi joints here, but mm-hmm. never mind. Matt, this has been such an enlightening chat. I have really, really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. And so regretfully, we're at the stage where I'm asking you for the final letter and number okay. combination, please. F16. Sixteen is the topic of relationships. Does working from the office change how you interact with colleagues as opposed to working from home? Yeah,
1: so the company I started, Planorama Design, Mm -hmm. it's all virtual. Everybody that I'm working with, we're all in different places. Many of them are in Brazil Mm -hmm. uh, and some are in the US, some are in Canada. Many of us have not ever met in person before.
0: Are you able to build relationships virtually?
1: I mean, we're not a huge company. We're rather small, about 25 or so. And we all get to know each other. We all have a really good relationships. And it turns out that if you just put the right infrastructure in place and enforce that we're going to congregate around it, then you end up using the medium that you have. So I, I use some tools that really help us to collaborate online. We have Zoom. We get on meetings. We're doing usually on video all the time. So we're we're getting to see each other's face. We establish a rapport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's a bit different than going to the office. And I, I had worked my fair share in my career going to the office. I would say that I'm still an advocate that if you can have face-to-face interaction, you're going to be better at communicating and better at building relationships.
0: It's an interesting one. Companies are a people-driven sport, right? So to be a chief of a company, there's a trust that people want to develop with whoever that leader is. And I am interested, Matt, in any challenges that, I mean, have you experienced any challenges since we've gone through the pandemic with the running of your company or even kind of like hiring and sourcing employees and not being able to screen them in person and things like that?
1: You know, no, no, I I really haven't. Uh, Mm. The pandemic demonstrated to many businesses that uh, you can work remotely and uh, everything can function as normal business. Mm. For interviewing, for uh, having those conversations with people. Yeah, I'd love to be face to face sometimes, but, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. Still, the face to face conversations that we have online, Mm. you get to know people that way. You get to understand the kind of person they are, the work that they do. And the thing is, I think it's worked for our clients too. Many of our clients I've never met in person either. And yet we're their design team of record for for many years. And we've never been in the same physical location.
0: It's a trust that we've all developed globally. I mean, it's not new. People have been outsourcing Mm -hmm. whole parts of their businesses for years and years, long before the pandemic, you know, telecenters and things like that. The small businesses I work with, a lot of them launched in the pandemic. And what they've said is, it's just building that trust. And if you can believe in the fact that your employees will get the job done. So I completely agree. The bit that maybe I feel like is lost is just like the water cooler chat, you know, coffee machine, Mm, catch-ups. It's a little bit harder to schedule five minutes here and there because you're on a screen or you're not. But um, I love that you guys are thriving. Yeah, This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. We are at the segment of the podcast called Sage Advice. And to remind the listeners, every guest that I've had on has provided some advice from their professional or personal growth journey to inspire somebody listening about how to drive their own future forward. So Matt, I would love you to draw on some really, really useful advice that you have used across the the course of your life that's helped drive you on in tech.
1: My advice would be to stay curious. Don't be afraid to jump in and try new things. When I was back in Austin and I started this technology community, wanting to help people to meet each other in high tech and helping them to network, and it ended up growing to this really large community. And it ended up finding that there were things I was good at. There were areas in my personality that ended up shining through that I would have never known if I was just being an engineer all day. I found out I was good in marketing. I found out I was good in building communities to begin with. And people even complimented me and said that they were using my emails as part of a way to train other people how to do email Mm -hmm. outreach. And I thought, my gosh, I never would have figured I had this marketing muscle unless I had gone and given it a try. I bobbed and weaved throughout my career and had to try things and see what worked and see what I liked and, and figure out what I didn't like. And that doesn't mean that you're staying and doing the same kind of thing for your whole career. A lot of the background that I have is varied, but it all comes in handy. A lot of things that happen in your career, a lot of problems that you try to solve can be solved by analogy from experiences you've had in completely different areas. And so staying curious, figuring out what you enjoy, what you like to do is a journey. And uh, it's not uh, working for the same company for 30 years normally.
0: There's a quote by a man, James Stevens, I think he is. And he says, curiosity will solve more problems than bravery will. Being curious and hanging on to that sort of childlike quality that we developed very early on is super powerful. So completely resonate with you there, Matt. Thank you so much. What a lovely note to end on. I cannot wait to share this episode. I'm so happy that you joined <laughs> this. You're such a wealth of knowledge and you're just a great human. So thank you so much again, Matt, for your time. Thank here. you, Martina.
1: I really enjoyed it. I think we had a really lovely time and I, I, I hope we can uh, stay connected and uh, keep on chatting because it's been really a nice time.
0: I'm going to be uh, following everything you guys do at your company uh, ongoing. Matt, (laughs) we'll leave it there. And I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Take care.